Welcome to the last episode of this beautiful week, week three of Money of Mine history. JD, Trav, how are we lads? Five day week. Matty, we are going to smash this out because we want to go for a pub lunch, business meeting. So, and we're, we're just doing one company today to keep it simple, but, but we're not half-arsing it. We've, uh, courtesy of my little network of uh, bring to the table. We've uh, got Tony James to come on. Uh, look, Galena, they raised 20 million bucks, went down 30% yesterday, a lot of equity dilution, uh, short uh, ramp up issues, lead grade issues, weather issues. Um, TJ's gonna come on to provide a bit of insight, bit of context and see where the turnaround's gonna come from. So. TJ, how are you, Cobber? I'm very good, thank you. Lovely to talk to you. I've uh, uh, been pretty busy this week, so it's great to have a chat. Yes, yes, we're going to do a bit of a piece on what you've been up to in the, the capital raise and the operational updates and thought, oh, why not get you on to control control the narrative before we go nuts on it? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you said, been pretty flat out. You've raised 20 yeah. million bucks operational update for abra stricken with uh rain and lower lead grade uh give us the sure. give us the overview mate and we'll then we'll fire a few questions your way yeah sure look look we've um look i'm really proud of what we've achieved in last year and getting into this year and you know last year in 2022 covid and all the other things that are going on in the industry you know i had a lot of people saying just that we were never going to build this mine at abra and you know it's going to be very difficult and all the rest of it and that's a bit of a red red flag to a bull to me. So, you know, we got the plant built. We, you know, we put an airstrip in. We've built the camp. We've done everything, and we did all that, you know, in a year effectively from October twenty one through to the end of twenty. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, October twenty one through to the end of twenty two, and we're on time, and we're effectively on budget. I think we're within one percent of our budget, our construction budget. So. I really chuffed the, the the effort that everybody put in, and you know the work that we did, and you know to get this mine up and up and running and and built. And look, I think what's interesting about this mine is quite unique, right? It's the it's the largest undeveloped, um, what's now developed, uh, and cleanest lead silver deposit in the world. Um, the ore body is about two hundred and thirty meters below the surface, so it's quite deep. Um, the top of the ore body, then look, and that's one of the problems that we've had this year as we've gone down there. Um, just getting into the top of the ore body and understanding about it. And what's really interesting is that sitting underneath this lead silver deposit, we're pretty confident that we've got copper and gold as well. You know, our whole focus is get up and get going, right? Get it started and 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 get going. And what we've discovered coming down, so we've spent we we spent all our construction money, two hundred and thirty million dollars last year, built a mine, um, put the decline down. Uh, we've done a really good job. Burncutter have done a great job getting the mine down to the top of the ore body. We've been doing some great control drilling as we come into the very top of the ore body. And what we're finding is right on the margin, right on the very northern margin of the ore body, it's actually the edge, uh, which was our point of entry. What we've discovered is that we, there's a thing called the Abra Fault that goes through there. And what we've discovered is a piece of rock that was in the original mine plan about 20 metres wide. 300 metres long is not there um, that we had in our original interpretation. It's not a resource issue. It's, it's, it, it is a resource issue. 
but it's not a resource issue in terms of the maths and the calculation of the grades and so forth. It's about where we think shapes are and then how do you convert those into mining shapes and what that actually looks like. So with the, with the mine built, we, so we haven't actually done any um, – uh, th- we're in a ramp-up stage right now. So basically we're sitting at about 50,000 tonnes a month and by quarter three this year we've got to get up to 100 110,000 tonnes a month, which is 1.3 million tonne per annum. And when this project's pretty straightforward really. You, you produce lead concentrate, it, we take it down to Geraldton, we ship it out of Geraldton and if we get, you know, we, if we get one shipment, one 5,000 tonne shipment a month, that's not enough. You know, we, that, that, that's not enough to cover our costs. We need two shipments a month um, or, 10, 000, or one 10,000 tonne shipment a month of concentrate. So it's actually quite simple from a performance point of view. What's happened in our ramp up period with a um, change in grade in our first few months based on some of these revised mining shapes and what we're seeing at the very top of the ore body where we've gone in. Um, is that metal production's off the pace a little bit? That's now put a lot of pressure on us because the working capital. When you go into ramp up, you know you build these mines and you go into a ramp up stage to get up to where you need to, you know, start paying people back and you know getting getting the revenue that you need. That's when your working capital is at its lowest lowest ebb. So that's your probably if you've built the mine and you got through that stage, the next period of exposure where you're really exposed to working capital. Is in that ramp up period. Now we had a we've managed to put another plan in place. So, you know what we've been able to do with our grade control drilling is we've 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 you know basically blocked out a million tons for, uh, twelve and a half by twelve and a half drill spacing down there now. So we've been able to do a pretty good job of you know increasing our confidence of what we're actually seeing in the mine. Um, at to a point where next month's plan is at about seventy five percent twelve and a half by twelve and a half drill spacing, and not too many mines I've got to say at this stage would be at that level of confidence. And if we run that through to the end of the year right now and we don't drill any more underground holes, that's about a 50% confidence level at that drill spacing. So is in that, terms is that of from the, our, um, from the grade control drilling, the top? Yeah, the top from our grade part. control. Yeah, from our grade control drilling. So basically it's like a, a block of rock that we've done grade control drilling. It's about 250 metres by 200 metres by 40 metres deep. And we've just gone in there and peppered that area to understand that area now. We've had good indications of, of mineralisation. good good indications of mineralisation all the way through this area. One of the interesting statistics about this underground mine is that for us to get 1.3 million tonne per annum, we only have to do 30 vertical metres. So it's quite flat at the top. It's very flat at the top. So you know, if something drops out or there's some shape changes, we can bring something else in, and and you know, we can. You know, there's lots of different ways we can cut this from a scheduling point of view, and that's what we're working through right at the moment from an optimization point of view. So technically, um, we're busy, busy. We're really trying to understand what's going on, optimizing, but our confidence is, is very good. Now, the issue that I think in retrospect that we've had, you know, in our ramp up over the first couple of months is, you know, our entry point. You know, in hindsight, if we'd known technically that the very edge of the ore body was a problem, easy in hindsight, you probably wouldn't have gone in there. We probably would have got a little bit deeper, come in maybe 20 metres lower and then sort of work up a little bit at the very top. So that's been pretty, that's been very challenging for us. But now we have a pretty solid plan, quite confident. We know what that looks like. And then we started working through that and things were going okay and we sort of were getting back on track. And we had this rainfall event in the last uh, last week of March, which has effectively tipped us over the edge. 
in terms of our working cap. Uh, we're still not working up at site. We, you know, it's been three or four weeks now. We haven't been to get access on the roads. The mines handled the rain very well. We basically had a hundred mil of rain in the day. The mines handled the, the water very well. It's the main access road. So we have 150 kilometres of gravel road that goes across the Gascoigne River to get into our mine site. And effectively, that you know, the amount of water that's hit that's was quite extreme, quite an unusual event. It's about three times the normal monthly average actually for March. So. Uh, that was a little bit out of left field. So we haven't been impacted by that cyclone at all, So, but we're just on the verge of starting to get back on onto site with gas, diesel, explosives, food, all the things that we need. So the airstrip's been fine. We've been able to fly people in and out, but we haven't been able to work with our critical supplies. So that's knocked a hole in April, end of March, April. So April we were originally planning, I think it was a, um, 90,000 or 80,000 tonne month in April and we're probably struggling to get 20,000 tonne because we just haven't had those consumables on site. So that's the next chance for us. So that's tipped us over the edge with the working cap. So <clears throat> what we've had to do is go back out to the market and do a raising uh, to effectively restore our buffer through our ramp-up period. So basically what that does is it enables us to, you know, to get through this ramp-up period, get up to steady state and get to where we need to be with this mine and set it set ourselves up for a very long and rewarding future, which I think is really exciting. So um, you know, and the shareholders have been pretty good. You know, they've so they support the project, they understand what we're doing, all the key shareholders and key people that, you know, have been in here for the long haul, um, understand where we're at and um uh and and have a lot of confidence and we know what we're doing. So we we need to soldier on. With uh, with your sequence TJ, can you just give us a bit of a bit of insight? Uh, look at looking at your looking at the schematic briefly. It looks like you have got a very shallow dip and ore body. Are you, are you pretty much locked in to that sort of top down sequence where that that top of the ore body where there's been a lower grade than expected and missing missing chunks? Are you are you pretty well locked into taking that bit at the moment? With where the development's yeah, at, uh, yeah. Look, right in right now, like in the next couple of months, I think that's right, Matt. But I think um, what's interesting, you sort of got to, when you look at that schematic, you sort of got to imagine that this is a sedimentary deposit, right? So if you look that if you roll the whole thing over so it's dead flat, the top of that ore body's quite flat. It's basically a series of sediments. It's siltstones and sandstones, and yeah, it's classic sediment beds and. Underneath the purple, I don't know, people – I'm sort of describing a picture probably nobody can see, but there's a whole stack of hydrothermal veins. So it's a hydrothermal deposit where the mineralizations come spewing up from the bottom. It's hit these sediments and just gone sideways, whoosh, you know, like – and it's picked up these sediment uh, gaps in the sediment. So it looks like a bit of a mushroomy type shape. So um, what is interesting is that we've entered the ore body on the flat part right on the very northern edge. So if you imagine this thing was flat once and the whole thing's rolled over now on an anticline, and that's the reason why it's on an angle, but imagine when it was formed, it was flat, and where we've actually entered it, even though in 3D now it's the top, we've actually come in on the edge. And I think that, and in in, in retrospect, I think that that's, uh, you know, from a risk point of view, Technically, at the time we did the surface drilling, so which was 230 metre drill holes here, right? So on a, a 40 by 60 spacing, probably we had sort of on that margin uh, when we did the surface drilling, hasn't picked up that, that 20 metre wide strip 
along that piece um, was a problem. And in, in retrospect, we probably should have drilled that out to a better density and or, you know, you know, focus more on that. But what we were seeing in the early great control holes was good, ev- good evidence of mineralisation. We still see that, you know, so we still see that and we've got this sort of flat rollover effect that's sitting at the top now that we are, we're there, we've got all the development in place, you know, all our eggs are in that basket. So what we have to do uh, in the next two or three months is work away from that area and to get into the more consistent stuff, and we can do that. Um, so I think the issue is probably more the mining shape in the orientation of the ore body. So what we're actually getting is internal dilution between the loads. They're getting, you know, the thing's quite flat. You know, the, it's, it's also, you know, we made we made decisions about levels that we went in on. So it's actually quite a – I've never seen an ore body like this. There's lots of metal all over the place. There's stuff everywhere. But in terms of mining, uh, it's challenging. And, you know, we have, we've learned so much in the last six months coming down into here. And, you know, our, our rate of learning and understanding is tremendous. And we'll get this. It's just going to take a little bit longer. What's the long-term outlook? As you said, there's, if there's stuff, stuff everywhere, is there going to be multiple, multiple mining fronts and, and flexibility yeah. once everything's actually flown? Yeah, if I, run a, if I run the good old mine planning scheduling package on this without a decline, I can knock out about 4.5 million tonnes a year out of this thing. There's stuff. All over the place, right? Which is really quite interesting, right? But what we do, which does pose its challenges, as you said. As yeah, well. what we do in yeah. WA when we put a build an underground mine, we put in a one in seven decline. We go down and we, and that's what we do, right? It's, we've been doing it since the eighties, and you know we just keep plugging back in those uh, processes and systems and things that we do very well. We we are the best at it in the world in terms of underground mining, and I, I think that we. Uh, so we just we 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 cut that model into that plan. We get down there and start doing that. But I think this is quite interesting, interesting ore body because I think you're right. There's there's going to be so many mining fronts. The thing will develop and grow, um, you know, as we go and as we spread out and we put the decline down a bit further. We do more drilling, you know. We we learn more about it. It'll look. It'll 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 happen. Is you know you know when I look at this mine plan right now and I see that 75 percent of my next three months. Mining's at a twelve by twelve drill spacing, and I'm two months into the mine, and I haven't haven't fired a stope yet. I'm feeling pretty good about it um, because you know I've never I've never seen a mine like that before. Um, so, so but we're just not there yet, and we need to get the stopes going, and we've built the paceful plant. We need to get the paceful plant going, and we need to crank it up. So, you know, our real focus here is performance right now, productivity. It's about you know, let's and optimization, mining engineering. Let's look at the shapes. Let's, you know, we've put big shapes around uh, detailed mineralization. Let's let's refine the shapes. Let's optimize the shapes. Let's and let's get busy, busy on mining and firing and trucking and doing all the things that we're good at. So, you know, we're in, we're in that time frame right now. So it's definitely a very short term challenge. And uh, let's get let's get through that and get on with it. Tony, so the, the raise was done in part due to cost pressure that, that, that you guys flagged in, in the presentation that came out. And I'm just sort of keen to hear how, you, how you're feeling that at the moment and how you sort of see that evolving over, over the medium term. Yeah, we, we did a, our previous guidance was July last year, um, just before diggers. And, and we, 
when we went through this process of now going into the ramp-up period and seeing what was going on and redoing the budget process effectively and seeing what this year looks like and how that affects a project over the long term, um, what's changed since July? We've recruited everybody, so we now know what we had to pay people to get them on board, slightly different to what we thought we had to pay them back in July last year. Um, there's nothing, you know, diesel, freight, you know, assaying, you know, like if you go through the whole list of our on-the-ground costs, everything that we thought was coming and we were predicting and what people were telling us last July has all gone up. So across the board, it's about 12%. Now, some parts of that is much higher than um, other parts, Um you know, but but everything's everything everything's gone up. One of the biggest ones, obviously, the rise and fall formulas in some of the contracts. So most mining contracts and you know contracts that you have with people have stock standard rise and fall, which is like a a formula that just runs um, indices, usually just Australian indices through them that allows them to go up and down with what their costs are. That's that's pretty much how it works. So I think we're in a pretty good place. Most of our contracts are long term contracts. Um, they, you know, they are locked in for a long period of time. We don't have a lot of exposure. Generally, we do have a high level of fixed costs on this mine because we know how many people we have. We have flights, we feed them, we, the camp's up and running, all of that stuff. So really, we're only subject to general rise and fall now. So, you know, we're in, we, we're pretty confident that's okay. Um, but look, it, it is, it is concerning in the industry, um, how that, I think it's stabilised a little bit. My general feel is just talking to people around the industry and seeing what's going on. It feels like it's slowed down a little bit. Got a bit silly towards the end of last year. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of rhetoric and talk and, you know, prices jumping up and going all over the place. But, you know, I, I feel like it's sort of normal. It's slowing down a little bit. Um, what, what does that do for us in the long run? Really, that's, I think in in terms of the economics of this mine, um, the economics of this mine are very much geared towards the lead price and exchange rate. Lead's really quite an interesting commodity. It doesn't typically behave like a lot of your other base metals because it's, um, you know, it, it 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 sort of it behaves much more stable and it sort of has a natural hedge with the exchange rate. So, you know, I I think we're in a pretty solid place, and I think that really. Um, the EBITDA, you know, we, this project last year, we were talking about an EBITDA at steady state of $100 million a year. And now that, you know, we are reforecast based on our current cost profiles down to sort of in the low 90s, uh, million dollars a year at steady state. And that's pretty well driven by the cost, the cost profile. Um, so, you know, I still think we're in a good place, you know, globally and what this looks like over a long mine life. So, uh, we just got to get it up and going. TJ, I'm keen to touch on that mining block you talked about, the, the 250 by 200 metre mining block. Um, I, 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 um, I did notice that, that, you, that Galena had flagged in, in their June quarterly last year that some assays had been received from grade control drilling on that mining block. Um, but in, in recent announcements, it, it appears that the first grade control model was completed in April of this year. So I'm just trying to... I'm trying to understand why, yeah, why, why so long, yeah. yeah. Sure. I think by June last year, we'd only done six holes. And um, what we saw in those six holes was mineralisation, you know, same sort of spread that we saw from the surface holes. So 
you know, we were what was encouraging about that was that that told us that our plan was solid. You know, we were going in at the right spot. Things look okay, six holes. So, what's then happened between now and then? We're up to 106 holes now. So we've done, you know, we've done sort of like a first pass course of drilling spacing, and we've gone back and done a much more detailed. You know, as the things evolved over a period of time, we've really started to zoom in, and we really didn't have a model um, that was suitable to make mining shapes around it and actually turn it into a mine plan. So um, one of the challenges that we've had with this is assay turnaround the end of last year. We, we were, we were, you know, getting data back from labs um, in the back end of 2022 um, was months and, uh, and, and that rolling information coming in just made it so difficult for us to understand what was going on until we got to a point where we suddenly, um, a couple of months ago or months ago, we suddenly could really stack the thing up together and make a bit of sense out of what we were seeing. You know, because notwithstanding that, when you looked at the individual individual data from individual drill holes, you could actually see the thing looking okay. It's in the right place. You know, it's orientations differently, but how does it stack up? And it's not really until you get a sort of collective set of data that you can actually turn it into a mine plan and understand what the shapes look like and all the rest of it. So I think we still got we we you know we've done a really good job of that now. We're much more confident about that. And and whilst we're doing this, we're ramping up at the same time and we're making decisions about development and we are 200 metres below the surface. So you know technically quite difficult. Um, and you know what was misleading to us is that we had some really solid data and uh, you know it's not as if it's not there. It's just about how does it stack up and how does it come out and what does it look like and where are we exactly and what's the, you know, what's the schedule look like? It's 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 work, a lot of work that needs to be done, right? Tony, I'm not sure. I have. Does that help? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I appreciate the, the the comment. Tony, I'm keen to move into the financials a bit more now. So you mentioned earlier just creating a bit of a buffer with the capital mm. raise that was done this week. And we were just flicking through the presentation, looking at the slide on equity raising details. And uh, so Galena mentions pro forma cash of $40 million after the raise and looking at 31st March 24, so in 12 months' time, of a cash position of $30 million. So is it sort of right to surmise from that that Abra expects over the coming 12 months to lose $10 million before the operation becomes cash flow positive? I think it ramps up, and I, the way to look at it, you sort of got to look at it on a month-to-month basis. So we start repaying our debt at the end of the year. Um, so I'd set the, and, and I think the debt, I think it's eighteen quarters that our debt repayment starts. So um, that's right. I think what actually happens is we're losing money now, and we need to get up to hundred thousand tons. So certainly by quarter three, we're starting um, to get to where we where we are and then we'll hold our own as we sort of go through that period of time. So one shipment is effectively $10 million Aussie. So, you know, swing plus or minus one shipment, we hold our own through the end of the year when our debt repayment kicks in. I think um, that's, you know, you, you've, you've, you've sort of touched on the, the risks that are, are prevalent, you know, during ramp up and, and how tight working capital can be and sort of I think fairly characterised how, how risky it is for, for a developer during that, that period. Um, and I, th- I think it's it's we did a little bit of just you know 
digging into the the debt repayments and, and all that and all of that because the big risk that it sort of looks like to to Galena shareholders is really going to be in the ability to service the the current debt as I see it given these ramp up issues yep. Um, yep. and like you mentioned the first debt repayment is it at the end of the year um, and and it looks like you know they're in the sources and uses of capital to 31 March 2024 there's Financing costs, so that's just the interest of fourteen point four million, and then debt repayments of thirteen point three million. I think does that only relate to, to to one quarter? So so the in in next year, like the the March quarter, or does it actually relate to the December quarter and the March quarter? Um, the, I think the, it's December, December quarter and March. December quarter. and March, yeah. So 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 looking ahead, once those the actual paying down the, the principal kicks in, it seems like you know cash is going to be pretty tight. And, you, and the, the company's going to be a bit under the pump to, to have the, the operating cash flows to actually service that debt. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to sort of uh, I think that it's get your, your perspective on that characterization. Yeah, I think that's not quite right because I think you've got to look at it from a ramp-up perspective in 23. So we sort of hit our straps at the end of the year. And so that sort of paints a picture of what this looks like at the time we basically were off, you know, we were off to the races. So... You know, I think this basically this this picture basically says right. This this is this funding that we've put in place, um, albeit the risk pro. We don't have any other major issues between now and then. We hit our mine plan and our targets based on our current level of confidence. This is what it's going to look like next March. Now, I think that um, right now we're losing losing money, and you know, you know, if, if we once we get to that point in time where we're, we're doing our shipments that we said we're going to do and we've got the grade that we said we're going to, going to get, um, that you know steady state type status kicks into play. So the following 12 months after that period of time looks a lot better than this 12 months, if that makes sense. Uh, so the, the 12 months after this 12 months looks a lot better. But that's yeah, that's, yeah but as, you, as you've touched on, the big, the big challenge is going to be getting through to that period without another yep. equity raise right because um and I, I guess i guess I'm, i want to touch on a little bit the way that you see the the debt actually unfolding it's it's a pretty it's 160 odd million depending on exchange rates with with taurus and i know they they've chipped in for shares in this in this placement how, how's how, how do you i mean do you think there'll be any ability to to refinance or, or will there be support of, of restructuring if required or, or is it just too early to tell I think it's too early to tell, but certainly tourists have been very supportive of us in terms of um, being involved there. It's quite unusual for them to do that. So, you know, they believe in the project and the approach that we've taken, so they've been pretty good. But, you know, certainly what this looks like. So I think there's two parts to this conversation. One is um, tourists' involvement and our ability to pay back the debt in, in terms of what that looks like uh, at the end of this year. And and Toho's um contribution to what's going on at Abbott. So Toho is a very interesting joint venture partner that um, people need to spend a bit of time understanding yep, in this yep. project as well because, um, you know, they basically they own 40% of this project. They need feed for their smelter in Jigurashima in, in, in Japan. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're part of this. You know, they've effectively uh, really do provide a you know, billion-dollar company that provides a lot of tremendous support um, for this project. So I think there's a lot of uh, questions and a lot of water to go into bridge to get to that time frame. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, so there, there's, there's, there's potential for other strategic alternatives um, it shouldn't if that situation arise. 
Uh, you would think you would you would think so. Look, I I, I find that I find the whole setup of that uh, very solid um, because you know my my feeling is that we got a lot of support from a lot of key people there that you know have you know specific um, reasons to be involved in this project. You know, Galena Galena as a company is a very small part of this, even though we're the managing part of the company. We're a very junior company. We're a very small company. So you know, they're our the Gleaner exposures, I think, is quite different to some of the bigger players in this project. Um, you know, Toho is a great joint venture partner. Out of all the people I've worked with in my career, I think that they're, they're certainly, in terms of the relationship with us and how they work with us and their faith in us and their support in us, I, I find it extraordinary, actually, and uh, fa- fantastic. So it just makes – it just helps you um, get through that period. And, and the other thing is that I think that we – if you if you look back at the last six months and look at how much we've learned and how we've got to where we are now, and then think what we'll be like in six months' time, based on our increased confidence with the modelling that we've done and what we can see going on in the mine now, and what we've learned about what the shapes look like and the geology looks like, you know, I, I, you know, it, we are it, we are in a very different place in six months' time. You know, all this raising does for us right now is gets us there. Um, in time and and you know the 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 un the non hard advantages and positives that you get out of getting through that process is significant and uh, very very important. But from a risk point of view, you're dead right. Um, if this year happens to be the first year ever in WA that we have a cyclone in winter, um, then yeah, we're in strife, right? I suppose a message <coughs> message to the investors. TJ, after you know being diluted down thirty percent, as you said, it's going to be a tough, a tough year in this ramp up stage. I guess what are the the just those key th- metrics, key things? The one percent is that you're going to need to hit to turn this around this year. Well, I think we, I think the, I think the message is that um, we've done it. We've done a really good job today building this mine. You know, we, you know, we were, I think, against. The industry trend last year and our ability to execute getting this thing up and running and going. Um, the, the things that have happened are outside of our control. Look, we didn't technically understand completely, you know, the, the the effect of this margin or this edge of the ore body when we first went in at 200 metres below the surface. And we didn't predict that we'd have a rainfall event right in the end, end of March, even though it is the back end of the wet season. So... Those things have happened. Look, we haven't been in control of that. You know, everything else we've done, we've been in control of. So, you know, I'm very confident that we're on the right track and we're, we're doing the right thing. And the mine's built. This mine will go. This mine will keep going. The mine is built and it, it is it is set up and it is established. It's now just a matter of us rolling up our sleeves. And everyone who comes and works for us and works on this project, you know, has got to get it going, got to get it up and running and get this thing up to steady state production and get Get into that consistent fly-in, fly-out routine of going in there, doing your plan, knock your plan out, get the dirt up to plant, get it through, get your concentrate down to the port and get it out. So, yeah, what I see at this project, and we've had our first shipment at the end of March, is a mining process that works um, from the right from 200 metres below the surface to a, a ship leaving the Geraldton port. We've done it, and it all works, and it's all working. So now it's just a matter of getting up and getting going. So all the risks associated with uh, operating processes and systems now. So, um, you know, I, I think we're in a very strong and solid solid place and 
and there is an opportunity for people who, under, who understand that or believe that or think that and you know, can come in you know, at a pretty low base now and and, uh, uh, and, and, and reap the rewards that we hope to see that we reap as we go along as well. I suppose, I suppose lead doesn't get the publicity that, you know, all these new no. battery metals <laughs> does. Have you have you considered getting um, Daryl Kerrigan out of the castle to come out of retirement and maybe get on the, <laughs> get on the website to go, uh, what do you know brilliant. about lead? <laughs> what do you know about lead? That's brilliant, isn't it? That's, that's a, yeah, Alternative marketing strategy, uh, maybe. You, you, could say, you could say lead's not sexy. <laughs> Very much so. No, oh, but hey, you, but hey, but hey, someone's got to do it. <laughs> you know what? You know what's interesting about lead. So we've just gone and built our solar farm up there. So we put in sixteen thousand solar panels in our solar farm at, at, on our power station up at um, at Abra. There's one and a half tons of lead in those solar panels. Like, but you don't, you never hear that story, do you? So, and the other thing that the other thing that I think is really interesting with the EV story is that. You know, there's 400 million lead acid batteries get consumed on an annual basis, and and every nearly every vehicle, including all the EVs, still has a lead acid battery, right? And and people say, well, why is that? I'll tell you why that is because lead acid batteries are cheap and they're reliable, and they you need them in EVs to control the safety systems of the vehicle. So. What's really interesting is you don't hear that stuff, right? And you don't, and people don't, you know, uh, uh, you don't hear about that. And but it's a pretty important part. Now, eventually, I agree, it'll drop away and it'll go away. Uh, but the, the the world's not in that place right now, and not you know, in the thirteen and, years of your mind life. No, yeah, definitely. You know, there's 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 one hundred and four billion vehicles in the world, so there's one vehicle for every seven humans, and they all need batteries now. Oh, they're all not people. All of these people aren't going to go down and buy a. You know, one of the interesting conversations I have with people about you guys are like me. I'm actually a little bit older than you guys. You're probably not at the stage where you have to buy your daughter a car. Um, what are you going to do? You're going to buy a little eighteen thousand dollar buzz box. Or you're going to go and rip out and buy a seventy thousand dollar um, TV. It's a really interesting debate. <laughs> well, it's yeah. not a debate. It's a discussion. Really interesting discussion. Mate, so, AU Falcons are going for a thousand bucks, mate. If you want to get the door to that, they're reliable. <laughs> I had one for bloody. I even put a table on mine, saw the whole yeah. garden. So I, I had a uh, I had a Tirana S with an eight ball on the gear stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I think that was in Daryl Kerrigan's driveway, wasn't it? One of those, one of his cars, anyway. Now we one hundred percent. We got stubby holders with Kerrigan's comment on it. Yeah, oh, very. Fantastic. Oh, good, good. I'm glad I, I knew I wouldn't be the first one to think of that. Uh, mate, credit to you. Thanks so much for um, coming on. As I said, it's been a bloody rough week. You probably deserve a few beers after um, this whole process. And uh, but yeah, really appreciate you coming on. To uh, I guess it'll be a good thing for to show other MDs the safest bets to come on, come on and control the narrative for the, for our podcast, um, which is uh, uh, yeah, which look, is great. When you when you you know what you do do what you do learn about this is when you get yourself into a position where you have to go and do this, you do open yourself up to all sorts of feedback. So you know, look, but you get if you get into that situation in the first place where you have to go back to the market and help you keep the keep the world turning around, then that's that's the price you pay, right? So you know, I've been around the game long enough to understand that, and you know, and, and uh, 
you know, all, all I can do is all you do is say, look, we're working really hard and we've got a plan and let's go and make it happen. So that's where we're at. Good on you, mate. Look, I hope you have a good weekend. You probably don't – actually, your MD, you probably don't get a weekend. But um, I'm going to the footy. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Hell, work-life balance, mate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that might just put my stress levels up even higher. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a, a Eagles supporter, are you? No, I'm a Dockers supporter. Oh, there you go. At least, at, least God, at least you don't have yeah. the, um, that bugger in your life up as well with the Eagles. Uh, so, you, yeah. You're not, you're not going in a corporate box, are you, TJ? No, no, mate. I'm one of these guys. I'm not like your standard. I have a slightly different profile to a lot of the MDs around town. <laughs> uh, mate, I'm a beer and pie man sitting in the stands shouting at the umpire. That's me. Oh, very like ScoMo was with the Cronulla Sharks. That's good, mate. <laughs> very, very good, mate. No, that's and, uh, thanks very much for coming on, mate, and um, articulating and everything and uh, having a good chat to us and the investors out there. Uh, we really, yeah. really appreciate it, mate. Yeah, thanks for coming on, mate, Tony. Yeah, most welcome, guys. Uh, you're doing a great job and keep up the good work. It's uh, refreshing. Right, good stuff. Cheers, Right, oh, beautiful. Beautiful. No, just another another intro for you, lads. Happy to <laughs> happy to happy to help. But uh, and as I said, look, for a MD to want to come on and face the firing squad after going down thirty odd percent, uh, is actually yeah, good good credit to TJ. Thanks very much for coming on. So Lads, yeah, what'd you what'd you take from his from his comments? Yeah, I think the company's obviously in a bit of a, a tough moment, but like you said, full credit to Tony coming on the show, explaining exactly what's going on, answering the tough questions specifically regarding that working capital and how that looks over the next twelve months and stuff. And yeah, I just like the attitude of he's keen to get on with it and just do the job. Oh, Trav, what do you what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, you obviously had queries about the long term repayment and the risk with the the debt facility. Look, uh, I, did yeah, that I think I think ease your fears or not really, but I you know I think you adequately touched on the risks that are there. Um, but to yeah, I'm not su- like I'm I'm still I'd be pretty fearful as an as an equity holder, you know, rightfully so. He, he sort of touched on you know if, if something goes wrong or things don't go to plan, then then that are going to be cash constrained. And he, he listed a cyclone there, but you know they're, they're susceptible to other things like more increased costs or or what if this you know geology interpretation issue is actually um, more than just this first mining block. Um, those sorts of things I think are real risks that would would lead to a pretty bad outcome. I think there's a couple of points. I will make here is I imagine that you know the 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 the, the debt holder in this situation is Taurus, and I imagine that right now this is PTSD for Taurus because they've just come out of SO four, um, you know where they they were secured project finance lender in in that instance, and uh, they ultimately SO four went into administration, but but they got far less than a hundred cents on the dollar back from that process, so. I would imagine that um, Taurus would be, you know, nervous in this situation, and I wonder if their equity commitment um, was actually just, you know, uh, uh, done in just to just to enable the entire um, equity process to to advance because of the optics of it. But I'd be pretty nervous if I was Taurus, looking down the barrel of another developer that is having ramp up issues, and in this case, it's geology issues, which 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 are a bit alarming. My final gripe, Maddie, is just with the, the sources and uses of capital. This is something you see all the time when companies will do a, a sources and uses of capital. They'll do it over a period of time. And in this case, I've done a sources and uses all the way through to 31 March 2024. That's 12 months from now. 
I'm less interested in a 12-month sources and use of, of capital because the big question for me, if I was going to be participating in this equity raise is when, when do they have the lowest cash balance? I want to know like how close do they get to actually requiring more cash. And so I actually want to see a sources and uses that goes until you know, minimum cash balance. It's interesting you say that as well because we, we posed the question regarding the cash balance now and the cash balance in 12 months' time. And Tony said straight away, you kind of need to look at it on a month-by-month basis, which is exactly what you're saying there. Yeah, and it's just, as I said, lead's just not that not that sexy commodity these days and coupled with the fact that they've diluted shareholders considerably for this raise, it's um, yeah, going to be a pretty rough turnaround. It, right? They've it capped, it, capped at 90 million bucks and yeah. got a producing mind. So it's, um, that, it was an interesting comment he made about you know the potential of, of Toho to have a, a more strategic interest in, in more than just their 40% of the project. Um, I'm not super well-versed in, in Toho's operating expertise um, and, and ability to do that, but potentially they, they might have that. I don't know. Yeah, but Maddie, Would that be more from a capital perspective, but? You, I, I don't know. It could be, 100% could be. I was under the impression that um, that what TJ might have been alluding to was was more of a corporate move there if, if there was more working capital issues, but I don't know. There's plenty of ways you could structure it, right? Yep. And you say a $90 million market cap, but... I think the EV is probably 210 or 220, given 164 million in debt, 40 odd in cash. So. Yeah. No, it's going to be, and when looking at that schematic here, it's like, you know, spread out and it seems to be dipping very shallow. So, like a long dip, a long strike. So, especially when you bring pace fill into the thing, that's a lot of reticulation. You don't have the, once it's, once it's spread out, you don't have the ability to, you know, drop vertically as much. You've got to do some big, horizontal runs to sort of follow the ore body. So, um, look, narrow vein gold mining is so much simpler compared to operations like this where, you know, big base metals that require pace fill, it's just that extra thing that go wrong. Narrow vein gold mining, leaving pillars, everything just flows nice and easy. A lot less dirt but a lot higher concentrated value in that dirt. So, yeah, look, be interesting to see how they go this year. Just uh, hope they don't have to raise again for the sake of the shareholders. Right, recap of the other news out there. I didn't go digging into the uh, shell companies today, lads. So <laughs> I didn't see anything, any $3 million companies up 80%. Uh, Linus, their quarterly's out. Record NDPR production at their Mount Weld operation. JD, how did that quarterly look for you, mate? Yeah, the key thing we spotted there was that obviously the Malaysia plant's still shutting down 1st of July this year and the soonest they can get feed up there is by August so we'll sort of wait and see when the Kalgoorlie plant is finished off. Yep, uh, Mincor come out with their quarterly today as well. They produced only 1,300 tonne of nickel in concentrate so why a little greater than 50% shareholder of Mincor now. And essential metals now welcome MinRes as a 19.55% shareholder. So after shareholders voted down the acquisition from IGO Tianchi in yesterday's vote, Whitehaven Coal, oh geez, another that's coal reference two days in a row, lads. Uh, Whitehaven's quarterly showed operations generating 1.2 billion in cash in the March quarter. They've also bought back. Uh, one billion bucks of their own stock in the last year. So BHP, they shipped 66.5 million tonnes of iron ore through the Port Headland in the last three months of March, uh, and that is actually the weakest output 
in two years. I did, Maddie, on that one, I did see Tatera. They put out an, an announcement themselves to clarify it's only a 4% drop in the Mac C area, which their royalty pertains to. And I read the quarterly in its fullness, and no surprises, Tatera still have not done a deal. They're right. There you go. Give her any extra context on that, Trav, or we're waiting here? Oh. Wait to hear for future episodes. Oh, we'll, we'll unpack. We'll unpack to Tara in a future episode. Very good. Uh, Piedmont completed a DFS of their Tennessee lithium project. So the p- proposed plant will produce 30,000 tonne per year of lithium hydroxide. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether they can learn from the sort of delays and mistakes that have happened in Australian construction of, of these hydroxide plants. And as well, you can see the free kick that they've gotten from the the US government with regards to the Inflation Reduction Act. So they're getting 141 million US dollars being put toward building the the, the plant, the capital cost there, plus a 10% credit. Beautiful. Right, lads, well done on the five-day week. I vote pub lunch today. Well, let's get this out and get to the pub. Very keen for a That's the way. Business, uh, let's say business meeting. Business so. meeting, absolutely. Oh, yeah, funny thing just before that, uh, you know, one of my good friends on YouTube made me laugh, you know, checking, asking for CVs, but then says, right, if you can't provide links to CVs, well, why should you expect people to provide links to cross-check, drill hole cross-sections? <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Unfortunately, oh. we're not publicly listed. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, it yeah. made me laugh. I'm like, that's actually a pretty good comeback. Yeah. Oh, uh, no one's invested in us though, Maddie. so that's the, uh, that's the very big There's difference. There's a couple. Right, uh, everyone have a great weekend. Any message to the fans? JD, Trav, if you're going to ask Mate, for just one Just loving thing. the feedback, in all honesty. Um, yeah, I mean, it's we're, we're pretty stoked to be producing something that is resonating with an audience and, and the more feedback we get, the more we can tailor our content to, to be suitable to you. Love the suggestions. I mean, Galena, we did a deep dive on today because some, someone had actually left a comment asking for us to unpack it. So we are listening to your suggestions and comments and um, we want more of that. Yeah, and if you've got any niche sort of special knowledge in the in the metals and mining space and natural resources, just get in touch. Come on, we're happy to have a chat. And other MDs out there for your quarterlies coming out, if you'd like to come on and discuss it, uh, give us a bell, get in contact with us. Matt at moneyofmine.com, Trav at money, Travis at moneyofmine.com, Jonas. We need to change yours to JD at moneyofmine.com. <laughs> no one's going to know my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. We've just, we've just leaked it. Have a great weekend, everyone, uh, and keep the support coming. And we'll oh, – look, the podcast is going to keep coming. We've gone all frigging in on this. So we've got no choice. Beauty. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Cheers. Hooroo. Hooroo. <laughs> The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.